man, I'm pumped. The gospel according to Luke. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Ray, it's good to see you. How many know Steve did a good job today up here? Come on. Mama was happy. She was Facebook live in that junk. I'm saying she was in it. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm so, so excited to see people just grow and get involved. Luke 7, verse 11 through 17. Oh, it would help if I opened my Bible, wouldn't it? How many of you listened to Cody's message from last week? It's good stuff. If you, if you weren't here and you missed it, you should really listen to it. It was really, really good things. He gives two practical things at the end of that. Uh, really good story, right, with the centurion. Um, but he did a good job. I'm not going to belabor it. You need to listen to it. Go back. You'll be blessed by that. Uh, today we're, we're kind of launching out, and we're going to handle this passage here. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 17 uh, in the next passage here. And it came to pass the day after that when he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Talk about a bad day. Can you beat that? And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. I'm getting happy right now. I'm, I'm, i got to make it through this so I can get to my sermon. Thank God Jesus saw her. He had compassion on her, and he said unto her, say those next two words. Weep not. And he came and touched the bear. And, and they, they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, say that next word. And he that was dead sat up. And he began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet. Interesting, right? They glorified their God, their understanding of God, that this prophet, Jesus, hmm, that the prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the regions round about him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're just so grateful to be here in, in our church, in your church worshiping you. We pray for your Holy Spirit's presence. Father, as we deliver your word, I pray that it would be your message, your Holy Spirit delivering it to the hearts and minds of your people, your sons and daughters. Father, such a weighty matter. This text is just, it's, a, it's unbelievable. It has power to, to raise the dead in here today. The very words of God are, are quick they're alive, and they will breathe life and, and raise up anyone in their situation today. And I, I just want to specifically pray right now, Father, that if there is someone here under the sound of my voice that has never made you Lord, that has never put their trust and faith in Jesus, that they would do it today. That they would be made alive today in Jesus. That's my prayer Father, my prayer is that you would take some, maybe, maybe some Christians that have been uh, sitting idly by. They got a little cob, cobwebs on them. Father, I pray that your word would dust them off and light a fire under their tail to do a gospel work. In your son's precious and holy name, amen. Excuse me. Okay. 
What a passage. What a story. Let's look at the place. Verse 11. And it came to pass that that the day after, the day after we had that healing of the servant of the centurion, Jesus is traveling to this place, this city called Nain. Many of his disciples went with him. This is interesting, right? On the other side of the hill. So he went and traveled up to the city Nain. So he's up on this hill. And if you were to look over on the other side of the hill, is the same community, the same place, the same village where Elisha raised and healed a young man during his ministry. So, so it's, think about the context, how the end of it, 11 through 17, at the end in verse 17, they said, thank God that God raised up a what? A prophet. Why? Because don't you think those stories were still being told? Don't you think those moments were still being relived about that man, that youngster that Elisha raised? It's just on the other side of the hill. That's like our community, right? Small to more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been hearing stuff about Colgate, I mean, ever since I met the riders. You know what I mean, right? It's just constantly about the communities that you've lived in or the places, right? Those stories just what? They just continue. You know, the ones I got to see my grandfather when I went to Tennessee. I think he's like 180 or something. (laughs) I got to see my grandfather and spend time, and I always sit just like a little kid. I curl up like this, and I sit at the end of his recliner, and he's got his Levi Garrett chew in his mouth, and he has a coffee can, and he spits in his coffee can, and he clears his throat, and, son, he's from West Virginia, son, let me tell you a story, and I'm just like, like I'm three again, you know what I mean? And my son, Ross, is named after him. My granddad's name is Ross. And I just want so bad for my two-year-old son to be just a little bit older so that he could understand what's in front of him. The greatness that sits in that chair. Master parachutist. Jumped out of an airplane for the 82nd, 101st Airborne more times than we could even count. Trained countless soldiers. Story after story that continue. But you know what? I'll be the one that, that, that will tell my son, Ross, about his granddaddy, Ross. That's how it works. That's how we push our faith forward the same way. So just think about the context of the story. He's walking through this village. Not one thing is out of place as far as the, the path that Jesus took. Not one turn was not directed by the who? The Father. My Father worketh, Jesus said, and I worketh hither too. Just like he must needs went through, what? Samaria to speak to that woman who then would get excited about her faith and win villages, right? So this is that same situation. Great, incredible things were happening. So Jesus felt led by the Father to go to this village called Nain, where things had happened before. Also, three miles from this village, I thought this was interesting, is where Saul met with that witch. So also, traditions of failure made by God's people, right? God always moved and directed Jesus to precisely where he wanted him to be. Here's the problem, though, in our story. When Jesus reaches the gate, uh, it's not said, it's not told of us whether Nain had an entire wall built around it. Probably not, because it seems to be a small village, uh, historically speaking. But these villages would have gates. And that would be the... Uh, you know, the spot where people would meet. 
people would convene. The leaders of the village would talk about their issues and their problems. Uh, that's, where, uh, that's where all the action went down, right? So when Jesus, excuse me, when Jesus got to, uh, I think popcorn kernels from last night or something coming out. <laughs> so when Jesus got to the gate, he saw something. Saw something that moved him in a special way. A widow loses her only son. Not only is she left with the grief, she is left without a means of survival. Are you following? Not only did she lose her son, and we understand that that is unbelievable. That's heartbreaking. That's something that we just cannot even fathom, nor do we want to fathom, nor nor do we want to be put in her shoes to even understand. A friend of mine that I went to school with, that I sang with, that I spent time with, his little baby girl, born, I'm sure some of you may have seen it on Facebook, lived for just a few hours and then passed away. Tragic. No one, no one wants to feel that pain, but she was not only feeling that pain, but she was also feeling the insecurity. First my husband, now my only son. Her heart was broken. Her family would not continue, right? The son's name died with him. The family's name died with him. Her provider would never be able to produce. Let me ask you this question very simply. Where are you today? Where are you today? When I read this passage, I see our Savior coming to the gate. Or... Maybe he's not your savior today, and he wants to be. And he sees this widow woman in a great procession, a funeral procession. These men were carrying, it says the bear. It means the stretcher or the coffin. They were bearing him. In other words, if they're at the gate of the city, they've already come from the place in the city where the funeral happened, and they were now walking him where? Outside of the gate. Outside of the city to what? Bury him. Where are you today? I read this passage and I became consumed with the fact that I have seen death in my own life. Not just death of a child. I haven't been in her shoes, but death of relationships. Maybe death of a job. Maybe death of something that you've worked long and hard for. You've poured into. Your whole life has been spent for this very moment. And you lost it. Where are you today? Can you just go inside your heart? And if you go inside your heart today, do you feel death? When was the last time you touched your wife and your relationship felt alive? Or has it been cold for years? Maybe it was a loss of a loved one and you've never gotten over it. Hey, can you track with this story this morning? Can you put yourself in the widow's shoes this morning? Hey, I got some good news. I may take a lap on this one. I got some good news. He will come into your current situation. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. And when the Lord say it, saw her. Come on, church. When the Lord what? Saw her. He had compassion He came to the city of Nain. Did she say, let's take this funeral procession all the way to that man I heard about. Let's go to him. 
Was that where she was at in her life? Was the widow woman going to Jesus, yes or no? Come on, church, yes or no? No. Was he coming to her? Come on. Where are you at? It doesn't matter. He will come to you. Here's the first thing that I see in this text, in this story. He wants to be your first call, watch this, or your last. I'm going to help some of you today from the Bible if you'll be helped. If you have a willing heart, think about this. He wants to be your first call or your last. Make him your first, but she was out of options. What if Jesus was your only option? Watch this. Jesus is not another option. He is the option. So we understand that if he was her first call, and there are situations like that in the Bible that prove that he wants us. Call unto me, and I will what? Answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. He wants to be your first call, but I got good news. If the first call isn't available, he wants to be your last call. The condition that I see here in the widow woman is she had nowhere else to turn. And he had compassion, what? On her. So let me ask you something. Point number one. He wants to be your first call or your last. Who are you calling right now? Why are you trying to work this thing out? I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this thing. I've got to shoulder this thing. You know what I'm saying? I I can push my way through this wall. How's that working out for you? How's it working out for you? It's not. How many remember 1-800-COLLECT? Come on. I made a collect call just just to make my dad pay for it in college. (laughs) I remember there was these phones in the dormitories at the end of the hall that you could go to. 1-800-COLLECT. What's the number? (laughs) 443. No, I'm kidding. You patch that puppy through and then they'd have to what? (laughs) they'd have to accept it. How many remember that? Come on now. I may be young, but I'm not that young. Cell phones were like, I mean, I didn't have like a smartphone until, what was it, baby mama? It was like maybe what, our first year of marriage? No, I'm kidding. Maybe the last year of college? The Blackberry. I had like a Blackberry Pearl with the rocker keys. How many know about those rocker keys? Come on. Got them. Those things are awesome. I never could type on that. So then I got this like Windows phone. Remember those? The Palm, the Palm Trio. I had like a whole computer and I had a stylus and I was going to the start menu and it was so slow. This thing was awful. It was the worst phone ever. But we remember those, those times in our lives where we were at the end of our rope and we made a phone call and watch this. We didn't even have the means to pay for the phone call. That last call, 1-800-COLLECT, it was their decision whether to accept or decline. And that's where Jesus is. He wants you in a situation. Why do I say this? Because God led him to this situation. She was what? A widow. She lost her only what? She had no means to provide for herself. It was done. It was over. All she was left with was her grief. Where are you at today? Where are you? I got some good news. He'll come to you. I got some better news. He wants to come to you. He wants to be your last call. If you're there and you're in that moment and you're in that situation, pick up the phone and call him. 
Show him that there is nothing else that you would rather turn to but him because he is the only option. When are we going to realize that, church? How many problems? How many heartaches? He's taken that thing away. He's taken that thing away. And this is for you seasoned folk. You're you're just relying on that. And then that goes, okay, let's try this. The world wants you to be a humanist. They want you to believe in yourself. When are you going to realize that you ain't enough? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We are saved by Him, not by ourselves. So Christian, if you believed it for salvation, why won't you believe it for your problem? Can I get a witness? Just saying. Number one, He wants to be your first call or your last. So let's make Him our what? First. Number two. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Getting ahead of myself. Acceptance is the key to exercising your faith in the first call. You know, I think sometimes, check this out, church. I think sometimes we get lost in the minutia. Here's what I mean by that. We're, we're so connected. Like, I mean, if, you are th- if you're wondering what someone's doing, I mean, we know when people are using the bathroom, we're that well connected. You know what I mean? So-and-so, I'm waiting for the day, Jose. So-and-so just checked into their toilet. You know what I mean? Like on Facebook where they can just check in. I just checked into my bedroom. First, you can check into home. That's where we're at right now. You can check into church. You can check into a restaurant. Well, that's not enough. I'm saying I'm checking into room 103. I'm checking into room... I mean, we're nuts. Like, I'm just taking this like social media purge right now. I haven't been doing much on social media at all. Why? Because... Put the phone down. We're addicted to it. Like we know where everyone is at all times. We don't know where we are, but we don't have what we need when we need it. What's up with that? Don't you just think that this could be a part of, and I'm not, I'm not the guy, I'm not like some conspiracy theorist or it's all the devil or whatever. I'm, I'm not saying that, but the devil is definitely using it to his advantage. And here's what I'm saying to you, church. Think think about this. Like, you're in this situation, and you're so well connected that you have so many options. Set the phone down. Step away from your friends list and get in touch with the one who can actually change the situation. Just saying. Rant over. Acceptance is the key to exercise your faith in the first call. Here's something very simple. Are you ready? Hey, Rich, do you need a phone? Did yours break? It did, didn't it? Oh, I got a new one. It's an iPhone X. Would you like it? Perfect. What did I just do? Oh, no, no, no. Forget the technology speech. Did I just give you something? Was it a what? It's a gift. I don't want it back, bro. I just, I knew you needed it. I'm just playing, by the way. Let me break the mechanics of this down for y'all. He needed something. I saw the need. I put my hand out with what he needed in my hand, and he what? He accepted it. Oh, I got this one. I'm about to call my friend right quick. Yo, you know what I'm saying? She gave me that thing, but I don't think she really meant it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, I heard she needs, I heard she needs money. I'm going to give her some money, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> She's going to paint something for me. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, we are so, like, judgmental. We're so skewed. We're scared of being taken advantage of. Right? We have forgotten what it's like to receive a gift. 
without strings attached. Jesus doesn't want strings. Here's why. You have nothing to offer him. Nothing. The sooner you realize that you are in the widow's position, the sooner you're going to be in the position to accept. Why can't we accept? Because our hands are full. You've got a job. You've got family. You've got all these things that are just filling up your life, church. But the one thing you need, you don't have a hand to grab it because you're full of whatever the world has for you. There's a reason why he went to Nain and found a procession with a lady who had nothing. And he had compassion on her. I don't know about y'all, but I'll gladly sign over every little thing I have in this life to get what he has. I'm just saying, we don't know how to accept anything anymore. What do they mean by that? Do I really need this? Hmm. Acceptance is the key to making him your first call. Just accept it. (laughs) It's a simple thing. Number two, it doesn't matter what you are into. He will touch you. Let's just pause and think for a moment. According to the law, the Levitical law, the culture of the day, Jesus being a Jew... A dead thing was considered what? Unclean. If I touch that, I'll be unclean. Let this be a lesson. He's not scared. He's not scared about what you got going on. Yeah, yeah, I get it, Pastor Matt. You're just saying just accept it. Just accept it. Just go ahead and take what he's got to offer. Just grab what Jesus has. That's like fairy tale stuff. No, it's not. It's fairy tale because you're not willing to admit where you are. You're not willing to let go of the things that you need to let go of and accept. And if that's you, if that's the position you are in, if you are knee deep in adultery or knee deep in pornography or knee deep in covetousness or materialism, or you just can't say a darn sentence without gossiping about that sister or that brother... He'll come touch your deadness. He'll come right where you are. That's a beautiful picture in this story. We talked about the widow widow woman. She had nothing to offer, and he had compassion on her. Be in that position. But if you're in the son's position, if you're laying on a stretcher, he'll come touch you. Okay, we've handled it. I can't offer him anything. I'm in the mama's position. What about if you're in the son's position? And I'm just going to go ahead and give the disclaimer. We all there. Our righteousness, he said it last week, are as filthy rags. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Church, we're laying on the stretcher. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. This is us. He's not scared to come and touch you. You're scared to give it up. You know that if you let him, if you accept the invitation of Jesus, he's going to come put his hand on you. And when Jesus touches something dead, they come up and they're alive. You're scared of what it's going to look like on the other side. You mean I'm going to have to live without my sin, without my addiction? You don't even know what living is yet. 
Let me show you what living is. I bet you money that that boy, that son, never lived like he lived until after Jesus touched him. Oh my goodness. What, are you scared? I get it. I'm with you. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Come on. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, He took my place. Now I grow and breathe in freedom with each breath of life I take. I'm loved and forgiven. Oh, back with the living. I implore you, let go of your deadness today. Let him touch you. He will come to your dead relationships and he will make them alive. But you have to find yourself in the widow woman's position, having nothing to offer. It doesn't matter where you are or what you were into. He will touch you. Be still and know that I am God, church. Psalm 46.10 I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. When Jesus approached the stretcher, when he approached the coffin, remember that there were those carrying it. And when Jesus came to them with the solution, they stopped. They stopped. They let him do his thing. Some of you need to stop, relax, not focused on yourself. Remember number three. (laughs) This is it. This is just the whole thing. He doesn't just fix your deadness. He is your means to being alive. Jesus doesn't just fix your deadness. He is your means of being alive. He doesn't come to make broken people look prettier. This isn't a situation like on Toy Story, right? So we have our minivan, a.k.a. our RV, and 14 hours. It's supposed to be a 10 10 and a half hour drive to Tennessee. And we turn 10 and a half into 14 slash maybe 15 hours with these children. right? So Sarah's like, I'm going to get ahead of this thing. And I'm going to buy every Disney movie that we do not have so that they're like even more zombies, right? We're making our children dead. (laughs) Electronics. They're like a mosquito flying to the zapper, right? So we just hit the button, drop that thing, and she gets Toy Story. And I'm like getting excited. I'm like, you guys don't even know. These Disney movies that are out today, they're crap. Like, Toy Story is the best one ever. Like, and I'm sitting here telling her, and, she, and Brandy's like, Dad, let me just watch it, okay? I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm getting really excited about Toy Story. <laughs> but it's like that moment, right, where Sid, that crazy kid, River and Ross were like this. <laughs> they're so scared. How many know what I'm talking about? Where Sid, he had, like, all these toys, like, you know, ripping, ripped apart, and he was strapping rockets to him. And, you know, Woody and Buzz, after they worked out their little spit-spat argument, they're, like, trying to put these toys back together, and these toys are finding new life, but they still look crazy, right? The one's got, like, the arm coming out the head. And it's, like, walking sideways. 
most Christians, here's the problem. (laughs) That's us. Like, we're up in the church with arms sticking out of our head. We're wearing our sin on our sleeve. Like, just ask me, I'll share, right? We come in and it's like, hey, God bless you, good to see you. Let's go get coffee. Now that we're getting coffee, let me tell you about all the 101 sins I just committed over the last week. I'm really guilty about it. Can you tell? Can you pray for me? (laughs) This is bearing our burdens. You got like the arms like sticking out of your head. You're a funky looking toy. Do you know what I mean? I'm sorry. I really am. You had a rough life. So did we all. We all were dead when he found us. But here's the thing. They that be in Christ are what? New creatures. We don't have to be inferior Buzz Lightyears. We can all be like brand new Buzz Lightyears in the box. Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger. I'm here. I look beautiful. My laser works just as good as yours. Why? Because Jesus is powering my laser. Jesus is clothing me in his righteousness. When that boy got up out of his coffin and walked, he was walking with a new walk, a new talk. Jesus doesn't come to just patch us up. He comes to make us alive, to give us new meaning, to put us in a place that we've never been in our deadness. Church, put Jesus out front. Put him on display, not your crazy arm. The crab walk is gone, you know what I'm saying? Let the grace walk. Do you understand what I'm saying? Put Jesus on display. Let me say it again. Stay with me. He doesn't just fix your deadness. He is the means to being alive. Listen to this. For all those that think him to be a prophet, here's the tragic part of the story. Here's the tragic part. For all those that think him to be a prophet, they're only going to get a band-aid for their cuts. You see, when Jesus healed the young man, what does the Bible say? They, they were in awe of the prophet that God sent. Watch this. At that moment that that boy got healed, he got a new life. He got a new perspective. He's ready to go for eternity. All those that were on the fringe, they only had a version of Jesus that was good enough to put a band-aid on their cuts. He's so powerful. He's so good. I saw what he did to that boy. As soon as that story, Elisha and the boy, runs out, your God just ran out. You're left with the arm in your head. You're left with what you look like to yourself in the mirror. That's the problem. Many of you have trusted in Jesus, but you've only trusted in what you've seen him do in other people's lives. He's never touched you. And I'm sorry for that. My heart's prayer today, though, is that you're not the crowd standing by looking at what Jesus did, and then you can go home and tell your spouse or tell whoever your significant other is or your children, even worse. Let me tell you what amazing things Jesus did in our church today and in so-and-so's heart. And boy, he helped read, and read is just a spitting image of the grace of God. And then when you lose your job, when you run into hard times, when you and your spouse are having issues, where's Jesus now? He's no more than a prophet. He's no more than a little ambassador for his father up in heaven. 
No. The cross, the fact that He laid down His life, the Gospel, and had power not only to raise others, but what? Raise Himself. Showed that He was God. There's plenty of other religions that have leaders that their leaders are dead in the grave. They could work some spooky stuff. They could almost convince you that they were who they said they were. But when they died, they're dust just like you and I. But I know a God who comes to you, who is reckless love will leave all 99 and come find the one that's lying down, that's in his deadness, that's in his sin, who's at his last call, wanted to be his first. But since it's the last one, I'll touch him. And he makes you alive. And if you've never experienced being alive in Jesus today, I invite you to say this. God, I'm a sinner. I am dead. I know You came to make me alive. You proved to me that You can not only do this for other people, You raised Yourself up out of that grave. Paul said, if you be not raised, we are all men most miserable. But He came up out of the grave. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pivotal moment right here. Who are you? Who are you in the story? Are you the widow woman? Are you that Christian who is barely alive? Everybody listening. Are you that Christian who's barely alive? He gave you a new life maybe years ago and you've been shouldering so many burdens on your own. Stop it. Let him come and touch your problem. Let Him come and touch the thing that's in your life that you need. Only He can supply it. So if that's you, just bow your head right now and you pray, God, I am done doing this thing on my own. God, I'm, it's over. You are the only one who can change what's going on in my life and I trust you, Jesus, to do it. Simply Jesus. I heard some prayers today during prayer requests that are heavy hearts. Mountains need to be moved. There's no wall he won't kick down. There's no lie he won't tear down coming after you. Do you understand that? Trust in him. What about you? If you're the son today, if you're laying on the stretcher in your sin, if you have never experienced being alive in Jesus and you've never put your faith and trust in him, if you say, Pastor Matt, if I died right now, I'd go to hell. I would die in my deadness. He's never made me alive. He's never, I've never trusted him and accepted him to pay for my sins. That's me, Pastor Matt. Nobody's looking. I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. He's never made me alive. Two, anybody else? Two, want him to touch them today. Three, who says I'm laying here dead? He's not my Lord and Savior. I want Jesus to touch me today. Nobody's looking but me. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Okay, there's three of you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I know who you are. You know who you are. If you just put your faith and trust in Jesus. What does that mean, Pastor Matt? I said it earlier. I said acceptance is the key to exercising your faith in the first call. So just like Richard grabbed my phone today, he had no phone. 
He had no means. I gave it to him for sake of illustration. The widow woman had literally no means. Jesus healed her son. Here's what I'll ask you. The Bible says, Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So here's the thing. Just like that boy that couldn't save himself, Jesus proved that he could save you by saving himself. I'm going to give you a prayer. It's not the prayer. It's the heart work. I'm going to give you the words to say, to pray, to call upon his name and say, Jesus, touch me and make me alive today. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. But I want you to touch me and make me alive. Here's the prayer. Say, dear Jesus, pray this. If you're one of those three, I know that I'm a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. But Jesus, please save me and give me a home in heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that to him, I want to explain something to you. He just touched you. If you let go, If you realize that you can't do it and you just let Him save you, He just made you alive. And no one can take that from you. The devil hates it, but He's going to get His. You just got yours. Something He could never do. If you put your faith and trust, if you accepted Jesus, no one's looking, and you're one of those three, can you raise your hand just to let me know where you're at? There's one. If you prayed that and you asked Him to touch you, What about the other two? Did you pray that? No one's looking. There's two. The third? Did you give it to him this morning? Did you give it to him? 